Hi, everybody. This episode of Conversations That Heal is sponsored by the April 3rd, 2016 Lecture Workshop Series. Guest speaker Rachel Alexandria is going to be talking about leadership and how we can get what we want from life. Visit LectureWorkshopSeries.com to learn more and purchase your tickets. I'm Susan Jacoby, and this is Conversations That Heal. Today, this show is going to be talking about bringing compassion to our feelings that we try to avoid. I want to share with you several aha moments I had a few weeks ago. The first aha I had is when I decided that I was done spending money on the storage unit, and it was at the point where I didn't care how much stuff there was in my apartment. I just knew that I was done making that monthly payment. The second aha I had is when I came down to rest after moving everything out of the unit, and there was a brief moment that came through my mind, the old way of thinking took over. That voice started to just tear me apart and say things like, I should have gotten rid of this stuff a long time ago. How could I have been so wasteful and spend all that money to store this stuff? And then it was like the angel came down, and I realized at that moment that I had done the best that I could. I had rid myself of a lot of this stuff. I had done a really good job cleaning it out just now and cleaning it out and downsizing into the house. At that moment, my shame had turned into pride. And that, my friends, is compassion. I brought peace to my feelings of shame with awareness and compassion. It felt great to be kind to myself. And that's where our guest enters, who will help us bring peace to our feelings. Evangelist Sharia Stallings is a cheerleader for Christ, an international speaker, national conference leader, and cancer survivor among her many life roles. She is the founder and managing director of She Soars, a place for women's professional and entrepreneurial connections. She is also managing Cast Your Pearls Benefits, which honors cancer survivors and caregivers. She also takes care of and has founded Soars Above Youth, which empowers youth to become intentional about the choices they make and the relationships they build. You can find Sharia at shesoars.com. Welcome, Sharia. Thank you for joining us to Conversations That Heal. How are you doing? I'm fantastic. Thank you, Susan, for having me. It's truly a pleasure. You're very welcome. Sharia, I always like to ask my guests, uh, first off, to share a brief summary of, of how you came to this point in your life. It gives us a chance to get to know you a little bit. So could you tell us about yourself? Let's see where we start, where we should start. Um well, basically, as you said, I am extremely optimistic. I am first a, a woman of God. I'm a cheerleader, cheerleader for Christ. Just here, in terms of just to live out my purpose, to live my best life, and to in, in the process, to you know help other women to do to do the same. I'm a wife. I'm a mother. First, those are the things that are my pride and joy. However, you know through 
challenges that I've had that we'll talk about a little later with me being a cancer survivor. I've learned to channel those emotions, those feelings, um, that place of misery to turn, make what was once my misery to make it my message that help others to heal and to triumph and to let them know that they can be resilient and to bounce back and recover. So with that, I founded an organization called She Soars, and that's my professional background. She Soars is a professional women's organization where we help women start their own business or develop additional revenue streams because every woman does not have a desire to be an entrepreneur. However, we do teach them how to use their gifts, talents, and abilities to develop additional income and increase their finances to be more conscious about that. And then we have our service piece, which is the philanthropic arm of SheSource, which is called Castro Pearls. And Castro Pearls is where we honor cancer survivors and extraordinary caregivers. We do that once a year. My birthday is in August, and so on my birthday weekend, instead of me throwing a huge celebration and gathering for myself, I actually use my birthday weekend to honor other cancer survivors and extraordinary caregivers to let them know that we see you, we appreciate you, we're here, we're praying for you, we're, we understand and we're fighting and rooting for you in this struggle and that you have a, a, you know, a shoulder to lean on and an ear to talk to. I can hear in your voice the joy and the uh, peace in just your voice. It's uh, very soothing and reassuring. Thank you. Thank you so much. But when you feel, when when you know that um, when you're doing something that you're excited about, that you believe in, that you feel, that you know that it's making a difference and impacting other people's lives, one, it doesn't feel like work, but it fills me up with so much joy. And I don't mean it as a cliche. You know, there's words that, you know, some may throw out that thing, that word called perception. But I always tell everyone to look beyond perception and seek the truth. I want to do more than feed into a perception. But I want to be a part of something that make an impact, to make an impact in my lives, my, my family lives, make an impact and a difference in the lives in the lives of others and I I believe that I've truly found my lane and you know I found you know my lane in terms of what it is that I'm supposed to be doing and 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 that alone is exciting. I want to jump into our conversation about feelings and how we can bring compassion to ourselves with feelings that typically aren't associated with compassion, you know, like shame, um anger, Guilt. I say, or embarrassment. We could throw so much in there, right? Yes. There was something in your bio that struck me. You had shared all the changes and challenges that you have endured. And I'm wondering um, how those changes and challenges, I'll put them in quotes, how they have become part of your message. And I'm asking you this question because. Because I think it's really important for people to understand that they can take those things in their life that they feel are really bringing them down 
and turn them around into um, their message. How how did you do that? That's that's a great question. And just to step back for a moment for those who may not be familiar with my story, approximately well, when I was 29 years old during during a routine exam. Um, actually, December 19th, six days before Christmas, I was diagnosed with um, cancer, and actually a biopsy was done on the spot. They was looking through the double microscopes right in front of me and saw um, cancer cells, and then they also took a biopsy, and they found out that um, my lymph nodes was already affected as well. And just to hear that news at the age of 29 years old, it was like a whirlwind, and it knocked me off my feet. I was a wife. I was a mother. And it totally, you know, just hearing the initial, you know, just those words, it was de- it was devastating. And to make matters worse, I had um, six and a half hours of surgery, for those who may know someone that have gone through cancer or have gone through it themselves, you get there's all types of tests from brain scans and CAT scans, liver scans. You're going, you know, just all types of tests and MRIs just to see, you know, how aggressive the cancer is. And so after six and a half hours of surgery, um, maybe about a few weeks later, it was time for me to get a port to start my chemotherapy and radiation. And it was during that time where the medical community went crazy because it turned up that I was pregnant. I was about four weeks pregnant then, which means that during my surgery, I was about two and a half weeks pregnant. So I was pregnant when I got the MRIs, the CAT scan, when I was exposed to all that radiation. I was even pregnant during the six and a half hours of surgery, and none of us knew. And so now when I had settled in my mind and had some form of, let's say, peace and acceptance, let's just say, and or gained enough courage to be ready for this battle to to fight cancer. Now I'm faced with Sharia, you're pregnant, and it was so huge that my doctor started to cry, and she looked at me and she said, Sharia, I don't know where your faith is, but I do have to tell you this: you cannot have this baby. We don't even think that you're going to live through the nine months of pregnancy. And my oncologist, who was a little bit less sensitive, said to me, if you were to try to have this baby, because of all of the tests you went through, the surgeries, your child will be born with so many abnormalities, you know, and, you know, deformities, why would you want to bring a child like this into this world? And Susan, to just be hit with that news, it was devastating. And I remember I looked over at my husband and the tears rolling down my eyes, and I asked them one question. I'm not a superwoman, but I did ask them one question. I asked, if I were to terminate this pregnancy, 
can you guarantee me life? And the doctors, they looked at me and they said, no, I cannot. I say, so then why kill the both of us? I choose my child. And Susan, at that point, that began my journey at an emotional level, at a spiritual level, at a physical level, my journey toward, like, okay, it's time, you know, this is my decision, and I'm sticking with it, and with much prayer and faith, you know, God help me, you know, you know, bring me, bring me through, bring me through this, and so there was a lot of emotions um, that went through, that went through this process. One was me praying for my, to just, for faith, for stronger faith, for courage, you know, just to go through what I'm going to call a battle. And even as we dig deeper into just the emotional part of it, I don't want to leave anyone hanging. I do want to fast forward just a bit that right now um, I was diagnosed, and this, this all happened when I was 29 years old, but I do want to tell you that I do have a story of victory to tell you all. One, I am here having this conversation with you, Susan, which means that it didn't end totally bad (laughs) that I'm here to tell the story. But the second and the most important part of it is that my daughter is 13 years old, who was born perfect. I'm here to tell the story and, you know, to help other women who may have faced or is facing similar similar challenges. It's interesting how uh, your story gives you the courage and also allows you to have already experienced feelings that one would experience in, in your situation. And I know that that is, is very true for me and, and I'm sure for for other survivors of, of childhood trauma, if you know, once you get past and heal from the trauma, you know, they say that you're fully healed when you can tell your story and, and not cry, which I have found to be a pretty good uh, measure. It's really empowering because someone else can um, relate to you. You know, as human beings, we, we crave compassion. We crave to be connected to somebody. And that's very empowering to to be able to offer that to someone. And and I'm not I don't want to suggest that for the people who aren't there yet, they should like hurry up or give them any room to beat themselves up or, or shame themselves. Because the truth is is that we're all on our own journey and we all go at our own speed. And there's nothing to uh, there's nothing to measure it. So the shame and, and all that other stuff can just just kick it out because it doesn't belong there. What would you say to our listeners who who may be in this space of uh, change and, and challenges and, and moving through their trauma? Let's just call it trauma. This, is, this show is about childhood trauma, and you know you you had you had trauma a few years past your technical your childhood, but you know it was still trauma. What would you say to support them on on their journey? If if someone were staying in front of you, feeling very 
defeated, what would you say to support them on their journey? I think you hit the hammer on the head or the nail, however the phrase goes. The word is journey and is also it is a process. For me, when I cry, and it's funny, it's been 14 years now, but Susan, sometimes I become so overwhelmed. And what I mean by overwhelmed, I'm talking about overwhelmed in joy and thankfulness and in compassion. That I tell other people that, that, so there's passion in my tears. So I tell others, it's a journey, it's a process. This is not overnight. If you need to cry, 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 get it out. And it's okay to be vulnerable. There is strength in being vulnerable. The I, just the mere fact that you feel comfortable, that you can unmask yourself, not put on a persona or facade, and show the real you that, yes, this happened to me or this is happening to me and I'm afraid and I'm scared. There's strength in actually showing that because what happens, I feel that's when the healing can begin because the real you have shown up. And so my message is, yes, if you're going through this journey, and I love that you use the word journey, it is a journey. Go through it, talk through it so that you don't become Stuck. Because when we become stuck, that's when the depression sets in, you know, that's where the giving up happens, when we're ready to throw in the towel, walk through that journey. And you know what, and don't keep it all to yourself. A lot of times, we can go into a cocoon and you know, some people may believe that no one else may understand, or they're going through this journey alone. The worst thing you can do is live in isolation. That's if it's, I don't care if it's one person, family, friends, whomever it is, go through the journey, go through the process. That's exactly what it is. And, um, you know, and allow, and allow yourself to explore all those emotions that you're going through. Don't mask it. Don't try to hide it. Let, let it out. Let it show. Let that vulnerability come out around someone that you trust and that will have a level of empathy and compassion because it's at that moment where, in my opinion, that the healing begins. I totally agree with you. And I also think that it's important. It's interesting how everything that you mentioned that you you phrased with don't do this or you shouldn't be this or, you know, like with the isolation or the vulnerability or the, you know, the crying. I know for a lot of people that, um, and first of all, I agree with you. And if you had asked me uh, five years ago, uh, maybe even three years ago, I probably would have been like, oh, yeah, yeah, you're right, you're right. And and not really understood why you would say that because it wasn't in my realm of consciousness. Crying is a very hard thing to do. You know, for some people it's not. Like you said, it, you can get stuck. I mean, I was stuck for years, and there's nothing wrong with being stuck. It's just where you are. Most likely, it was put there by 
someone else's actions that were done to you. Right. You brought up this, um, and I and I also wanted to address it and talk about these overwhelming feelings. I briefly touched on it in the in my little story about moving out of my house into the apartment and the the storage unit. There was a time where if you gave me like a sentence, um, I would be overwhelmed. <laughs> like I didn't. It was too much for me to even process. And I'm curious how with all the feelings that you went through, especially w- during the cancer and the and the pregnancy and everything, and this is a big question. It's like the meat of the, the show. How were you able to find um, a sense of, of calm and not step into the overwhelm? Like there's a very fine line there, and I really want to ask you, find out how you were able to make that distinction I'm going to say this, and then I'm going to dig a little bit deeper. I am a woman of faith, and it was my faith and my belief in belief in God that really, that really and truly helped me. However, the reason why I want to dig a little deeper is because sometimes that seems, you know, to some people that may be a bit superficial. One is I also had to surround myself with people that were optimistic, that would not burden me down. Even from when I first got the diagnosis, I told three main people, you know, of course my husband was there. I told main, you know, like three other people in my family or close friends, and I told them, from this moment on, you are free to let everyone else know. The reason why I cannot deliver the message is because I cannot be drained by people's first response. I want to deal with some of the things that some cancer patients may go through. Now, I had surgery, and so at 29 years old, as a young wife and a young mother, I had a mastectomy. So now we're talking about body image issues, you know, how will my husband still find me attractive? Do I find myself attractive? These are some of the things that a lot of people may not talk about publicly. One of the things, like I did have plastic surgery in my surgeon, which is fantastic, I'm going to say, if anybody needs a plastic surgeon, (laughs) that... um, one of the things he was adamant with the uh, with um with during the surgery that it all be done at the same time that he said there's no way in the world he said I would not allow um this woman to wake up with any missing body parts she already has enough she have an, you know she has enough to deal to deal with. But then at the same time, part of the healing, I had to go through those emotional body issues, you know, image issues, you know. And um, so these are some of the things that I talk about with, with other, you know, with other women and moving past that. And I had I started to get excited because in spite of everything, I had my life. Sharia is talking about this sense of overwhelm. And, and for me... Um, I think my take on it is a little different. 
now that I'm more comfortable in my body and more comfortable with what I'm feeling and experiencing, I have learned that when I change my environment, that really helps me get grounded, more secure, like going outside or um, something as as easy as, as moving my body. So essentially what you're doing is you're changing the energy, uh, which is important when you're when you're in that overwhelmed space. You know, that's what needs to happen to to change your energy. I do want to remind everyone of the Supreme Love Summit. It's still on. You can follow the link to it on the description portion of the show. And my interview has been included in a bonus section. So once you go to the the link, it, you'll you'll be able to follow the steps to learn more about it. I want to talk about getting comfortable with our feelings. And I think the first step to do this is to be able to acknowledge our feelings, to notice them and to own them. There was a very long period of time where if you, let's pick the the feeling shame. There was a very long period of time that I didn't even know what the feeling of shame was. If you had asked me to define it, it would have been um, out of the dictionary to find it. But but to tell you how it felt or how I experienced it, that would have been completely different. Now, fast forward 10 years or 12 years, I'm able to uh, recognize when I'm feeling shame. It's not an easy step to be able to to notice what you're feeling and and then to be able to um, identify them, to uh, bring awareness to them, uh, and which is important because that's how you can take care of yourself. That's how the uh, compassion comes in, the um, self-love comes in. Um, and Sharia, I'm wondering how how you were able to bring awareness to your feelings to point where you able, you were able to identify them and and bring compassion into yourself. It was a matter of having a strong sense of self, a strong sense of self. I even today, um, Susan, if there is a, an emotion, let's just say, that comes across me that may not that make me feel down. Let's just use that as an example. Put me in a state where I'm not in a good mood. I start to explore that emotion. Sometimes I may look at why am I feeling this way, what was I doing, or, you know, to explore what the trigger points are to really get to the root of get to the root of the matter. And so going back to my battle with cancer, my whole outlook was, although the doctor has given me a diagnosis, I am going to meditate, be prayerful, and believe in God for the prognosis. So I started to separate the two, the diagnosis from the prognosis, and that actually affected 
my emotion, and it affected my feelings. So even for those who may have experienced a trauma, it may not necessarily have been cancer, um, but any kind of trauma, you know, my, my, my firm belief is that we can turn our misery into a message, a positive message that heals because our past, no matter what we have gone through in our lives, our past does not dictate and determine our future. Going back to what I said previously, the doctor gave me a diagnosis, but I planted my heels, my belief, my faith, you know, into God and into positivity and knowing that the prognosis can be different and I can live a life that's rewarding, that sends a message that leaves a build and leave a legacy for my family, for my children, and for those for those around me. And the reason why I even named the philanthropic um, component of my business Cast Your Pearls is because I started to look at the way a pearl is developed. You have a pearl down in the bottom, an oyster in the bottom of the sea, and you have either parasite or sand that actually invades the body of this oyster, this shell, to destroy it. But instead of destroying it, it envelops itself around it and produces a precious pearl that many divers go to the bottom of the sea to try to to try to find, and who would think that something so precious can come, can return, you know, that something that was so tragic can produce something so precious. And so the tragedy doesn't have to be our message. We can be resilient. We are resilient. We were made to be resilient. The body in and of itself is constantly trying to heal itself and fight for life, meaning that, you know, God wants us to win. And so everything in the universe is rooting for us to win, no matter how big or small the trauma is. And I do want to say I trauma is trauma, you know, and it's something that we have to get through. But once again, going back to what you said, Susan, about the journey, the process, we have to go through it. But that thing, that trauma or tragedy, whatever you, whatever name, you know, you may give it, that that do not have to be the message. And so for me, once again, I was able to deal with my emotions when I separated the diagnosis from what the real prognosis and outcome could possibly be. You said something about the triggers, which is a whole show in of itself. Oh, yes. I think that when it all is said and done, managing your your feelings and and finding uh, peace within them and learning how to bring peace within them, it comes down to uh, practice is the first one. 
compassion towards yourself that it takes time to learn about yourself, which can be a lifetime. Yes. Is, I mean, because you're constantly changing. Your body is constantly changing. Your brain, your pathways are constantly changing. And it's just this process. It's important to to be gentle with yourself, practice self-love. Like I was saying in my story about the the furniture and, and such, how quickly those sabotaging thoughts came in to you know you're why why didn't you why didn't you get rid of this stuff that you put in storage um, why did you spend money on it that was a very natural response it took awareness and focus to say wait a minute i also did the best i could at that time which is true I also mm-hmm. got rid of a lot of stuff, which is also true. I'm hoping that the listeners can see how the the compassion and the gentleness towards yourself, how it starts like a like a snowball, you know, being being going down a hill. It does end up with the compassion end of it. This idea of how to manage your your self talk and and how you find ways to silence it, to give our listeners an option of another vantage point of how to silence that self-talk. For me, and a thought come into my head, sometimes I literally have to stop what I'm doing and explore it once again to explore where is this coming from. And then sometimes I have to talk back in terms of whatever that thought is you didn't make the right decision or you made a mistake, whatever it is, to stop, assess it, and then even speak against it. Because at times, you know, we could be moving around and these thoughts can come a million miles a minute. But to challenge it, to really really challenge it, and that has been helpful. My thing is do affirmations. Meditation, these have have all been extremely helpful for me and actually continue to be helpful to know who I am in God. God, you know, I once again, I'm a woman of faith. I'm a firm believer in God that if he says that you're part of a royal priesthood and a chosen generation and that we're fearfully and wonderfully made and that, he shall supply all our needs according to his riches. And I can go on and on and on. So these are some things that have to be that, that I reaffirm in knowing that, that you know, I'm in good company. I'm in good company and that no good thing would be withheld from me. If there's something that I may second guess, let's say if I made a mistake on something, you know, I can properly, you know, just sit back and say, wait a minute, you know, I analyzed this, I looked at the facts that was best known to me, and I made a wise and sound decision. And I can accept, also accept not being perfect, Accept being human and also and, and allow myself to make room for for errors, to make room for mistakes. 
because I'm not free. I'm not infallible. You know, I'm not infallible. You know, there's there's nothing there's nothing perfect in that world, and so not to be so hard on myself to give myself that much. So this idea of being perfect, so many people, I think it comes from the environment that they were raised in. I know that. For me, that was my case. That doesn't mean that, you know, that's everybody's case. But this whole idea of being perfect, you know, how, what would you say to somebody who's just so, whose life is so controlled by that? I mean, first of all, you know, being perfect is who defines that? And I finally got this years ago. It's like, who defines that? It's not, it's a, nobody is perfect. You know, except uh, you know God and and Jesus. Lord knows, none of us are. Our God and Jesus can't be perfect. But how did you embrace that? That you, when you realized that you weren't perfect, so that it allowed you to go on with your healing journey. One was to take a look at what drives that perfection. Usually, the thing that drives the perfection is really our thought process in terms of what others may think and feel about us. So for me, I had to release myself of that. The second thing was in this whole drive to be perfect or do everything to perfection was to know that in all that I say and all that I do, that my goal is to always operate on a spirit of excellence. So in the end, I can say that I did my best. I did the best that I knew how based on the information I was given, the tools that I have. And guess what? When I know better, I'll do I'll do better. And the third most important thing that helped me rid myself of being perfect is to look at my motives and intentions. And so when I know that my motives and my intentions are pure, And what I mean by pure, pure in the sense of going back to the second point of operating in the spirit of excellence and doing my best or wanting to be my best, then I'm free of the impressing other people. I'm free. I free myself of thinking or dealing or tormenting myself of what others may think of me because then I know for myself that, one, I operate in a spirit of excellence, and secondly, that my intentions and my motives that drive what I say and what I do is pure. I like how you you phrase that. I, I can't say that I've heard it said like that before, and it um, and it really is very true and very understandable, you know, to to look at your intentions, intentions about everything that you do. It's kind of like slowing your your thought process down and just step back and 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 ask yourself something as simple as you know you're making dinner and you know what is your intention for making that dinner that to get it on the table as fast as you can and you don't care what it looks like or tastes like or is it to to make people to have it so nicely presented and taste so good that 
people at the dinner table um, enjoy it and it gives them a, a sense of uh, comfort. The intention thing that, that Sharia is mentioning is so bad. And I think it just, like you were saying, it just comes down to slowing down and, and stepping back and and really evaluating what your intention is. And it's it's funny. I just share a little funny joke. Like when I will cook at home versus when my husband will cook, we have this running joke in my house. If let's say if Dad cooks, my you know my husband cook and it doesn't taste as good, my kids would go, Dad, did you put love in this food? Did you put love in it? So and that's our running joke. I said as long as you just do it with love, I don't care if it's a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, we will enjoy it. So it always for me goes it, it boils down to the motive, the intentions and, and wanting you know, and wanting to do our best. And then also allowing, you know, for us to allow ourselves for error because you know what? Something can happen. Maybe someone's on the phone too long and they burnt something by accident because they were focused in too many, you know, in you know, many directions. But when you make a mistake or if you do error not to beat yourself up. So much, you know, not to beat yourself up. Forgive yourself and move on. Forgive yourself, learn the lesson and move forward. Now, that is a general statement. I'm not trying to minimize, you know, you know, depending on, you know, the situation, but those are still usually, you know, the steps to to work to work past it. It's interesting that you're bringing up the forgiving yourself, um, and let's keep it at the intention of of making dinner, and you and you burn it. So let's have that. That's our little scenario on, on the on the table. It's interesting that you bring up forgiving yourself. It is hard to forgive yourself um, for for some things that occur in our lives. Yet, by practicing, um, and we'll say forgiveness, and through this conversation builds the muscle that builds you up to be able to forgive yourself. You're you're giving yourself the experience of forgiving yourself, like, you know, forgiving yourself that you burnt the dinner, taking it that little small thing, which which I understand cannot, sometimes isn't small. I mean, sometimes there's like this avalanche of, of so many thoughts and so many put-downs and and just to like step back, you know, and we're we're talking about and what what is your motive behind putting yourself down? You know, chances are pretty high that it's not you putting yourself down, it's how you were taught or shown, how you experienced yourself uh being put down. You're just continuing it like the person who's putting you down or did put you down isn't even there. They don't even need to be there because you're doing a fine job of it by yourself. So <laughs> I'm, I'm glad that, you, you know, you're bringing up this idea of uh, forgiving yourself for, let's say, you know, burning the biscuits or, or something. I don't know. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And I've done yeah. it. Trust me, I burned plenty, plenty of meals. As you were talking, I see a few in my head. There's been time, you know, baking and barbecuing and got distracted and, Meal, you know, the main course is um, 
destroyed, unsavageable, can't nothing to save. And I looked at the children and said, you know what, we're ordering Chinese. So I was like, oh, mom, <laughs> you burnt the food. Yeah, well, you know, we're ordering Chinese. What do you want? Well, we're doing takeout. You want the deli? You want pizza? Do you want and, – and just move on. It's not even – and for me, you know, and I have to tell you this, I am optimistic. I am a natural, you know, I my energy level is usually high. I do believe in a greater good of people. I do think more, you know, I'm more on the positive side of things. And so when, as you're talking, it's not even a second thought. When it happens, oven is off, food is trash. And I pull out the takeout menu and I say, okay, guys, what are we eating? Mommy made a mistake. Mommy burnt the food. And, you know, we get a couple of, oh, man, and and we move on. And because the most important thing, Susan, it wasn't necessarily, necessarily the dish. What my goal is is putting a great meal on the table for my family so we can fellowship and talk and they can have a nutritious meal. Whether I make it or buy it is not what's in question as long as it's provided. Right, and that scenario can be used for um, a lot of things in our life. As long as you look at... You know, maybe I'm feeling shame or whatever it is, you know, to look at it. That that is worth a lot of, the word I want to say is kudos, which I don't know if that's the word, but but you get the idea. We're we're out of time on our show today. Thank you uh, very much for being on our show, and I I hope our listeners were able to pull some uh, valuable advice that they can apply to their lives right now and that will bring them some comfort. Uh, Sharia's website, again, is shesoars.com. And is there anything else that you want to say? You have about 30 seconds. Okay, shesoars.com. You can visit me on S-H-E-S-O-A-R-S.com. Same handle on Facebook and Twitter. And I can just leave you with just our ability to remain resistant is really contingent upon our ability to bounce back and recover. So no matter what it is that we've gone through, we can truly bounce back and recover because God wants us to win. We have been designed to win. And thank you so much, Susan, for this space. Oh, you're very welcome. Conversations That Heal is on iTunes. And also, uh, you can leave a comment there to support us. You can also follow our show on Blog Talk Radio for up-to-date announcements. Remember that you are a lovable and capable human being.